JWST celebrates its first year of operation. The extremely large telescope is half built and a black hole suddenly roars into life. All this and more in this week's Space Bites. How the time flies. It's been a year since JWST began its science operations. We got those first pictures a year ago where we saw gravitationally lensed clusters, Stefan's Quartet, and planetary nebula, star forming regions. And then since then, of course, here on the channel, we've been reporting pretty much every week one to two new interesting observations that have been made by JWST. We've seen planets, we've seen sat all of the giant planets, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, Jupiter. We've seen images of Mars. We've seen images of supermassive black holes. We've seen star forming regions, the Carina Nebula. Like it just goes on and on. All of the cool stuff that we have seen so far this year in just one year of operations. And now it's time to move on to the second year. And last week we talked about how the cycle two plans are about to be unleashed. And so then we'll know all of the new targets that JWST is going to be targeting in this next year of operations. And if you think back to the interview that I had with Lee Feinberg about how well the telescope was put into its orbit, we could be looking at 20 plus years of continuous operations from JWST. So there's so much more science that's coming. You know, it's actually even more than 20 years. You know, it's like at least 20. I think people have been talking even be potentially past 25 years. It's like. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's. Huh. You know, That's interesting. You know, more than 25 yeah, years. Okay. Potentially. I mean, you know, we've been quoting at least 20 years. Yeah. But, um, but uh, you know, we, we've been conservative in how we, you know, do things. And Classic so. NASA. Um, but to celebrate this one year anniversary, we got a cool new picture that was released. And I gotta say, I like their choices. This is one of the best pictures that JWST has ever released. This is a picture of the Rho Ophiuchus star forming region, which is pretty much the closest star forming region to the sun. It's less than 400 light years away. It contains about 50 newly forming stars. Now, most of these are smaller than the sun, but the one which kind of dominates the lower half of this image is a little bigger than the sun. And because of the powerful stellar winds, you can see all of this gas and dust that's being blown away into this giant cavity. And of course, JWST, because it's an infrared instrument, is the perfect tool to be able to image this region. It's able to see through a lot of the gas and dust, see where these new stars are forming, see the hints of circumstellar disks where there are planets potentially forming around some of these stars. So congratulations to everybody involved with the telescope over that first year. And I'm looking forward to many, many more years of cool observations. The extremely large telescope is half built. Now there are a series of telescopes that are in the works right now, the, the next generation of ludicrously large telescopes. And the biggest of these, of course, is the European Southern Observatory's extremely large telescope. I know, I know the names. This telescope is under construction right now in Chile, and they started building it in 2014 when they 
flattened the top of a mountain to be able to build this observatory. And the plan is that it's going to be a 39 meter telescope that is made up of almost 800 individual mirror segments that are all attached together to form this large mirror. When it's finally constructed, it will have 100 million times the light gathering capacity of the human eye, and it'll be 13 times more powerful than the largest optical observatory on Earth. And it will be capable of doing some amazing things. It will have next generation instruments on board. It will be able to block the light from the star. It will have adaptive optics, so it will be able to remove the effects of the atmosphere. And hopefully, this will be the kind of telescope that will be able to image Earth-sized worlds orbiting around nearby sun-like stars, which is like the holy grail of exoplanetary astronomy. But it's just like it's a giant optical telescope that will be able to do anything. As I said, construction began in 2014, and we got a cool new picture showing that the observatory is now halfway built. If all goes well, the telescope will be complete and be able to do first light in 2028. So just another five years before this monster telescope comes online. A black hole switches on in the blink of an eye. Astronomers look out into the universe and they've been able to see that there are these supermassive black holes at the heart of pretty much every galaxy out there. And most of the time, these black holes are quiet, essentially invisible, but other times they are very, very bright, the brightest objects in the universe. And that's because they are actively feeding supermassive black holes, also known as quasars. But a big question that astronomers have had is like, what is the process to go from a quiet black hole to a quasar. How quick does this process happen? And so a couple of years ago, astronomers saw an explosion of a brightening of an object in one of their images. And they thought that this was a kilonova. It matched the light curve of what you'd see with two neutron stars colliding with each other. These are gamma ray bursts. But this object didn't fade away in the way that all of the other gamma ray bursts tend to do. They realized that this explosion, this brightness, was coming from a supermassive black hole in a galaxy that is 10 billion light years away. And there's like two possibilities for what's going on here. One is, is that some star got too close to the supermassive black hole, got torn apart, and is caused this brightening. And so you should expect that over time, this will fade away again, not in a couple of weeks, the way a gamma ray burst from a kilonova does, but over the course of several years, it'll fade away. The other possibility is that this is the quasar turning on, that for some reason, activity near the supermassive black hole has brought all of this swirling accretion disk of material close enough to the black hole that it now turns its jet back on, it's feeding on this material, and this could last for hundreds, thousands of years. And so if so, this is one of the first times that astronomers have ever seen a quasar turn on. So hopefully we'll get a lot more data and be able to rule out what it isn't over the coming years. Ancient stars close to the center of the galaxy. The core of the Milky Way is extremely dense where stars are really packed together compared to the sort of wide open spaces where we are here in the galaxy. And so astronomers think that like the core of the galaxy, this is like the metropolis of the Milky Way, a place where all the stars are forming, 
exploding as supernova, polluting other stars with their heavier metals, forming again, and you get like stars at the center of the Milky Way should be a lot more evolved, have a lot more heavier metals in them. But astronomers have found a population of stars at the center of the Milky Way that seem to be ancient have very few of these metallic elements in them. It's believed that they are pretty much as old as the Milky Way itself. They probably formed about a billion years after the Big Bang. This leads to a question. When most of the stars have all of these metals polluting their outer atmospheres, how do you end up with this population of stars that are so old? And the thought is, is that these stars are the remnants of the proto galaxies that came together to form the Milky Way. These are the elders of the Milky Way. Each one of these individual stars was stripped away from some proto galaxy and added to this tight cycle. And of course, they've been interacting with each other for over 13 billion years. And so many have been kicked out, many have been mashed together, some have been eaten by the supermassive black hole. And these are the ones that remain. And yet these are the ones that tell the history of our galaxy. And if astronomers can work out more about how these stars formed, how they came together, what kinds of galaxies did they form in before the Milky Way, we'll get a much better sense of how the Milky Way came together. Every week we put up a vote in the community section so that you can tell us which of the stories in this week's Space Bites was your favorite. And the winner last week was pretty close but the winner was the 63 day silence from the Ingenuity helicopter. So we will post the new vote shortly after this episode of Space Bite. So just make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. It'll show up in the feed and you can click on it and vote and let us know which of these stories was your favorite. Spiral arms around a star. There have been some pretty amazing pictures of protoplanetary disks taken around other stars. The best instrument for this is ALMA, the Atacama Large Millimeter Array. And you're able to see just like how much variation there is in these early planet forming disks. Some look like, you know, dad's vinyl records with all of these grooves where planets are being formed, but others look like spiral galaxies with these really distinct spiral arms. And so how do you get them? One of the main theories is that these systems contain very massive planets and the planets are whipping and shaping this protoplanetary material with their massive gravity into these spiral arms. Well, astronomers have directly imaged one of these planets around a star. The planet is called MWC78C, and it is orbiting around a star that's about 500 light years from Earth. And it was imaged using the Large Binocular Telescope, which is like one of the biggest observatories on planet Earth. Based on this discovery, astronomers have booked some time with JWST, and they're going to do some follow-on observations and get better images. And this is amazing, right? That we can see these protoplanetary disks of around stars that are just a couple of million years old. And now astronomers can actually see these new planets as they're starting to form and see what influences they have on the material that's around them. And of course, we can then take some of the lessons learned. If you see dozens, hundreds of these, you can take these lessons and apply them back to understand the dynamics that happened in our solar system that led to the structure of the planets that we have today, and then allow us to make predictions about what we might see in other planetary systems into the future. India is going to take another crack at landing on the moon. Now, if you recall, 
India has visited the moon several times. There was a Chandrayaan one mission, which helped discover the evidence of water at the moon's poles. The Chandrayaan two mission sent an orbiter and a lander and the orbiter is still in orbit around the moon. The lander failed. And unfortunately, they lost contact with it as it got close to the surface of the moon and it was assumed that it was crashed and we got following images showing where it had crashed. But researchers at ISRO are taking their next crack at it and the Chandrayaan-3 mission is off to the moon. The spacecraft is going to fly to the moon. It should make a landing attempt on August 23rd, 24th. It's going to try to sit down about 70 degrees south, close-ish to the moon's south pole. So there's two parts to this. There's Vikram, which is the lander, and then there's Pragyan, which is the rover. The rover is equipped with a laser and it's going to roll off of the lander. It's going to be able to zap nearby rocks and be able to analyze the chemistry of the regolith on any rock that it's zapped. So good luck. I really can't wait to see more data coming from the surface of the moon. The methane race to orbit is over. There are several rocket companies that are working on methane rockets. Of course, the most famous of these is the Raptor 2 engine from SpaceX, which is going to be part of the Starship. That didn't reach orbit. There's the BE-4 engine, which is part of Blue Origin's New Glenn, as well as being used on the Vulcan rocket, which is going to come from United Launch Alliance. Side note, a BE-4 just had an anomaly during testing. So clearly these methane rockets are difficult to make them function. And other companies are doing this as well. You've got Relativity Space, you've got Rocket Lab. So a lot of companies are working on methane rockets. But the first launch to send a rocket to orbit using a methane engine has been achieved. And it's from a Chinese company. So the company is called Landspace and the rocket is called Juche 2 And it was able to go into a successful low earth orbit the U.S. Air Force confirmed that the rocket was in orbit, so congratulations to Landspace. Now, the rocket itself didn't carry a payload. They weren't able to recover the first stage, so it is definitely not in the same class as what we will eventually hope to see from companies like SpaceX or Blue Origin or ULA. But still, a methane rocket got to space. And actually, there are a bunch of Chinese companies that are working on methane rockets. So there's like a race within a race to get methane rockets into space. That rhymed. Anyway, poet didn't know it. I hope you're enjoying the space news that you're getting today. Now the goal for our channel, like the big overarching goal is for us to be able to become ad free as much as possible. We have no ads in our podcast. We have no ads in our newsletter. If you sign up as a patron, you can remove all the ads from the universe today website. You don't get any ads in the videos. No ads, no ads, no ads but we're still part way there in being able to move to this ad-free future. And the way you can help us make this transition is to join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash universe today. And if you join, then you'll get a bunch of other benefits. We will shout out your name at certain tiers. You'll get advanced access to some of the interviews, other stuff that we do. As I said, you get ad-free version of the Universe Today website for life. Even if you unsubscribe from Patreon, you still have no ads on Universe Today forever. So please, if independent space journalism is important to you, come and join our Patreon, patreon.com slash universe today. Finally, check out this cool video from Mars. This is an image of a region of Mars called the Matara Crater. 
Now this is a crater that's about 48 kilometers across and the bottom of the crater is filled with sand. It gets whipped up into dune and it's one of the favorite targets of the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. If you go to the high rise website, which is the instrument that takes these pictures, there are like over 100 pictures of the bottom of the Matara crater and astronomers are able to watch over time how the wind is shifting the shape of the dunes, how going through various seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter changes the structure of the dunes, the amount of carbon dioxide ice that's on them. But they stitch together a really cool image that kind of makes it feel like you're flying across the dunes. And it, it feels kind of reminiscent to the Dune movie. You can sort of imagine with the way you've got these dramatic shaded craters. It's quite an epic experience. So this is what it would be like to be flying across the dunes at sunrise. Cool picture. Is it? Yeah. Is this a promo for Dune 2? I'll watch that movie. Finally, here's an image of a deer that has been eating my garden every night. Now I go into more detail about my war with this deer on the uh, recent shareholders meeting Patreon only podcast that we do. So if you want more information on this deer and how successful he has been, go to patreon.com slash universe today. All right, those are all the news stories that we had today. Uh, if you want to dive deeper into any of the stories we talk about here, we've got links in the show notes. You can get even more space news in my weekly email newsletter. I send it out every Friday to more than 65,000 people. I write every word. There are no ads, and it's absolutely free. Subscribe at university.com slash newsletter. You can also subscribe to the Universe Today podcast. There you can find an audio version of all of our news, interviews, and Q&As, as well as exclusive content. Subscribe at university.com slash podcast or search for Universe Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and helps us stay independent and keeps ads at a bare minimum. Thanks to all the interplanetary researchers, the interstellar adventurers, and the galaxy wanderers. And a special thanks to Joel Yancey, Antonio Lofi-Lara, Dustin Cable, Just Paul Davis, Vlad Shipplin, Jay Dennis, David Giltanen, Modso, George, Jeremy Mattern, Jordan Young, Tim Whalen, Dave Verabioff, Andrew Gross, and Josh Schultz, who support us at the Master of the Universe level. All your support means the universe to us. All right, that was all the news for today. We'll see you next week.